I've been thinking about this message for a while, and this is one of those messages where as a pastor, you're like, surely most everyone that's here on a regular basis knows the story of Jesus. So I've been reading up, thinking, okay, what's a creative way that I can present the gospel, that I can present the good news of Jesus? And so I went, and I got a bow and arrow, and everybody's looking at me strange. But I was in the store, and I'm buying this and walking out, and this is the only thing I bought at the store, and they're going, what in the world? And um, I had a really cool illustration I was going to share with you and continue to think about it. And I was like, it's a really cool illustration, but honestly and truly of all this stuff, you just need to hear my story. You just need to hear my story. And what you need to hear from others and others need to hear from you is your story of what Jesus has done in your life and how he's transformed you and how you met him and what that meant for you. And so I was about nine years old and had been in church. My mom was the church secretary. So I was literally the church mouse. When the doors were open, I was there. The church was my daycare. We had a church gymnasium with all the different stuff. I was a professional pool player, professional ping pong player. I could shoot hoops. I could skate backwards. I could do all that stuff because we had all that. And so that's what my time was doing. If you wanted to find me, that's where I was at and what I was doing. And so one day we had a, a week, we had a revival. Y'all remember those things? Revivals, you know, a couple times, you know, start on Sunday and they go till literally Jesus comes. I mean, you're, you're there for a long time and just as I am. I mean, we, I remember singing probably 25 stanzas of just as I am until everybody had come down front, you know. And um, so that's, that's the, I grew up in that kind of a church, that kind of a setting, and I'm thankful for it. A lot of opportunities, a lot of men and women invested in me at a young age and brought me to where I'm at today. And so when I was about nine years old, I was a professional napper in church. And so there was just enough space in the pews. I would kind of figure it out. And so I would kind of lay down in church Um, as soon as the music was over, as soon as the preaching started, I could figure out how to take a nap. And um, so I was I've had a lot of good dreams during sermons. And um, so there was this one time, though, that was during a revival, and this guy was preaching. His name was Rick Owsley. And um, actually, he was the founding pastor of Brook Hills Church in Birmingham, Alabama, that David Platt, you know, was the next guy after him. So Rick Owsley um, was an incredible evangelist, man of God. And so he's preaching the gospel, and he's sharing. And, and I'm laying there. I'm about nine years old. Too, too old to be laying there, but trying to prolong this. And he begins to, to talk and begins to just resonate with me, even at nine years of age, of who I am and who I'm not. And so as I began to deal with it, and literally I'm just laying there, and just tears just began to kind of, you know, come out of the side of my eyes and think about hearing this. And But at that time in my life, I don't know if you would know this now, but at that time in my life, I was excruciatingly shy excruciatingly shy so that someone would look me in the eyes and I would literally put my eyes down and go around and away from them because it physically hurt me to have a conversation or to even think that I'm going to have a conversation with someone. So I know some of you still feel that way and understand that. And so I've kind of been forced to grow out of that in what I do. And so I'm a functional extrovert, okay? And so um, when I go home on Sundays or after a long day of hanging out with a whole bunch of people, guess what I do? I nap hard, okay? My wife, who is an extrovert to the extreme, will come to something like this, and she's fired up, and she's ready to go to the next party, 
Okay? And so those, most of us, if we're an introvert, naturally we're married to an extrovert. There's that team, teamwork that happens. And so they carry us from party to party, and then we're the ones that give them the moments of, hey, just let's settle down one night. Can we have one night at home, you know? And so as an extreme introvert, the thing that scared me the most was that I knew that I had to go front. I had to go to the front and to, to say that I proclaimed Jesus. So I went home that night, and my mom and I were talking. And my mom, we had this, I don't even know where, I, where, I, where we got it from. We had this pencil, and by the time we were going to use it, it had been whittled down quite a bit. And on this pencil were colors. There was a black, and a red, and a white, and a blue, and a green, and a yellow. So when I got home, I said, Mom, I, I want you to explain to me. I, I think I need this Jesus that he was talking about. I think I'm understanding what's happening. And so she said, hey, go get that pencil. And so she went, and I went, and I got that pencil, and I sat down at my dining room table with my mom. And uh, my dad, I don't know where my dad, but dad was probably working. And, and so um, and it was just me. I have a younger brother that he's a lot younger. And um, so it was just me and my mom at the dining room table. And she began to explain to me, the colors of that pencil. She said, hey, son, this, this black one here, that represents your soul. Romans 6.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And for that all have sinned, son, you have sinned. You have made mistakes. You have messed up. You remember that time when I asked you to do this certain thing and you didn't do it? And I'm like, yeah. She goes, that's sin. That not only hurts my heart and because of your disobedience, but it also hurts the heart of God. And any time that you do something that hurts the Father's heart, that's called sin. And so all of us, even me as mom, have sinned. Your father has sinned. Everyone, your grandmother, your grandfather has sinned. For all of us have made mistakes. And because we've made mistakes, we can't reach the standard of perfection. If you've ever made a mistake, you are not worthy to enter into the Holy of Holies where God resides in heaven. It's like, wow. For all fall short. And so that's, that's, my, that's my illustration, right? That if there was a, a target over here that my kids got a hold of these and broke some of them last night, they send as well. I told them to leave it alone until after church, but they couldn't resist. The temptation was too strong. So if I had a target over here of perfection and that every single time that I did something, that the very moment that I got up, that target was up, and every time I did something or said something or thought something, that it had to hit right in the bullseye of that target, that's perfection. That's the excellent standard that God holds us to, to have fellowship with him for eternity and so here i am at nine years old trying to hit it right and it looks ridiculous and that's what it looks like when we try to reach perfection in our own strength and our own standard and so many times that's the standard of holiness but we kind of lower the standard and we create our own target and try to hit that target because it's easier even as followers of jesus it's easy for us sometimes to kind of pass those things on and say, hey, listen, God, I know this is your standard of holiness, but that's, I can't ever reach that. I can't ever attain that. And so I'm going to reach over for this target. And God says, listen, I want you to continue to aim for this target, but to understand that I've given you the tools. I'm not going to shoot any of y'all. But I've given you the tools. So imagine that this bow is the Holy Spirit. 
that every time you draw this back, that it's not you drawing it back, but it's me. And that I, even when it seems like it's off, time after time after time, it's going to hit bullseye because I'm not looking at your works and your deeds and what you did, but I'm looking at my son's deeds and my son's work and his work and his deeds. Through, through my eyes, I see him and I see perfection and completeness. Son, your soul is black, but because of the blood of Jesus Christ, because of what he did on the cross, because he was the lamb that was slain. But if you accept that sacrifice, John Chapter 8.24 says that He is the perfect sacrifice for us and that He covers over all of our sins and that this is the simplicity of the good news of Jesus Christ is what trips us up. Is that because we believe that I have to obtain, that I have to do things, that I have to earn His salvation, that I have to earn His love. And so even as a, a parent, one of the things that I've worked really, 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 really hard at is for my kids to understand that I want them to make A's. I want them to be the best possible student, the best possible athlete, the best possible child, that, that whenever other people see them and interact with them, that they say, hey, you are a good person. And I want that for them, but I also want them to understand that I love them in spite of their deeds. Because as much as I want them to understand that, as I want them to understand that God the Father loves them because they are a masterpiece and He does not make junk. And that for many of us, the story of the prodigal son, we get focused in on the prodigal son that goes away. And he eats, he's literally in the pig mess and he's in the pig stall and he's at the bottom of the bottom of the mess and he realizes there's, there is no lower place. Because listen, a Jew in a pig stall that can't even eat the pig food, he doesn't even have permission to eat the pig food and that is enticing to him. That is the lowest place a Jew can possibly be. He's rummaging around in the, in pigs and he can't even eat their food. And some of you, you've, we've been in those places where we're like, we're at the end of ourselves and the only option we have is to run back because we've experienced, we have had a little bit of a taste of what it's like to have this Jesus, to have this Father. My, my story is more of the guy that stayed. And all the time I'm in the Father's presence. But sometimes I just got ticked off because I'm seeing all these people do stupid stuff, stupid stuff, stupid stuff, and that God brings them back and he welcomes them in and then he blesses them. And I'm like, that's not even freaking, that's not even fair. Man, I'm in the church gym 24-7. I mean, make me six foot six and I can get in the NBA and I can bless you, God, with all the millions, Right? He's like, no, you're five, six on a good day. Now, some of you, that's your story, is that you're not the, maybe you're not the prodigal that ran away and got into the deep depths, but, but that you stayed around and you just got bitter. And then when you saw blessing after blessing, you're like, God, I'm here. And, and the Father's saying to us, yes, you're here and I've been here, but you've never even come in and sat down to the table and supped with me. You haven't truly experienced 
my presence. You've, you've had me available this entire time, but you've never come and truly sat with me and experienced what it means to be in the Father's house. You've been about doing the Father's work and doing the ministry and doing all these things, but have you truly sat with the Father? When's the last time you played dominoes with the Father? When's the last time you just lingered after dinner and shared stories with the Father? That's my story. And I've come to say yes to Jesus, but time after time I get so wrapped up in doing the things for the Father that I miss the time with the Father. So my thought for us this morning is, one, do you know that Jesus that's given His life for you and has given everything? Listen, the Father has given Everything, the best that He could possibly give, He's given to us and His Son, Jesus Christ. You are not junk. You are His masterpiece. For all of us have sinned. All of us have fallen short of perfection. Have you gotten to that place where you say, listen, I understand that I desire to have a Father that loves me and that I don't have to do deeds, I don't have to work for it, that He loves me and cares for me no matter what I do. I can never make another A. And he's still going to love me. That I could be the best junior high bench warmer there possibly is. And he's going to love me. See, sometimes we allow those things to define us. Instead of allowing us to be defined as I'm a child of God. And what that means for us as a child of God is that everything of the Father's house is at my disposal. I just have to ask. I just have to ask, but I'm afraid that if I ask, what's the Father's response going to be? Sometimes it may be no. Landon is 12 years old, and he thinks he can drive. You think he can drive, anybody? Nobody's raising their hand thinking he can do it. Okay? A good parent sometimes says no. God the Father will say no to those things that I don't need in those times of will say no to those things that you don't need in the time. It doesn't mean He doesn't love us. It means He has His best for us. Listen. Here's the good news. One, that God the Father has given His Son as a substitute for us because we could never reach that and attain that level of perfection. And if you say yes to what He did on the cross, the sacrifice for you, then you can have a relationship with God the Father. It's simple. But it's so simple it trips us up, okay? So some of you, if you've grown up in a, in, a, in a different denominational faith, if you've grown up in Catholicism, if you've grown up in a Lutheran or Methodist or Jehovah's Witness or Mormon or something like that, all these other things, they're going to teach you all these different stuff. Listen, here's what the Bible says. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Period. Not saved plus, not saved and, not saved, and you still got to save. 
And that idea of saved is that you have been rescued out of, that you are drowning like Jonah and you are down to the depths and you can't even open your mouth because that would speed up your drowning. And so that he reaches out and he grabs you up and he picks you up and he says, you are rescued, you are delivered, you are redeemed, you are brought from death to life. You have new vision, you have new perspective, you have a new way of seeing people. That's why he weeps over us because he looks at us and doesn't say, oh, my children didn't make A's. He looks over us and says, my children don't get it. They don't have to perform for me anymore. I love them as they are and that our motivation for serving Jesus, for serving God the Father, isn't to to bring pleasure to to hopefully that he will, will applaud us. But our motivation for serving him is that, God, I can't imagine that you would see me and still choose to rescue this junk. That you have a second chance. And that junk is a beautiful masterpiece. And that you are it. And that you're not defined by your past. You're not defined by your mistakes. You're not defined by your parents. You're not defined by your DNA. You're defined by who you are in Jesus Christ. And that when He created you, He created you unique. And you have a unique purpose. And that when God calls out to you, and He is calling out to your soul, to the depths of your soul, and He wants you to breathe and to have life like you've never had it before. The beauty of Genesis, whenever God spoke life into Adam and into Eve, that he spoke it into in the word there is ruach. And it's this two types of breath that he's bringing physical life, but he's also bringing spiritual life. And in that moment when Adam and Eve messed up and they did it, that there was now this void and this desire that we need this breath. We need the fullness of what it means to live in full relationship with God the Father. And so that all of us, as we're doing life, we have this, this void, this desire. There's, there's got to be something more than this. And that's something more than this is the breath of God. And that when you say yes to Jesus, this miraculous, this mysterious thing happens. And inside of you, the Spirit of God takes residence inside of you. And now you are holy. That you are a chosen priesthood. That you are a priest. You don't need to come to me for forgiveness because you've already received it through the person of Jesus Christ. And you just got to say, Jesus, I need you. And he's not already going to show up. He's already there. You are the presence. The presence of Christ has taken residence with inside of you. That's why as you continue to grow in holiness, that there are things that once before you thought, hey, that's okay. But now as you're moving in your holiness and understanding who Jesus is, and the more that you sit at the Father's table, the more you want to resemble Him and to look like Him and to act like Him and to think like Him and to do life like Him. So as you move to that place of holiness, then you give up things that once before that not necessarily bad, but they're not what God desires that's best for His children. And that's because the God, the Spirit that resides with inside of you is just saying, hey, I need a little bit more of the fullness of the Spirit. I need a little bit more of this Jesus. I've tasted it and I've seen it's good and I've got to keep going back. I can't give up on this. I want to keep pursuing this. I want to know this Jesus a little bit more. I want to know this God the Father a little bit more. I've tasted what the Spirit can do. I want a little bit more. And I know this sounds almost non-Baptist, but it's biblical. And I want you to be freed up from whatever you... Because listen, I am Southern Fried Baptist. And I know Baptist history inside and out, and I love it. And people have died for things in here that are true. And I'm wholeheartedly in that. I mean, we're going to baptize people upon the profession of faith because that's what Jesus did, and that's what other people did, and that's what Anabaptists... We're going to do that stuff. 
But not because we're Baptists, but because it's here. Okay? And so again, I think this, this last two weeks we've seen biblical community more than we've ever seen it before. And part of it is, is because we've been opened up to what the Spirit of God can do in us and through us. And we've removed ethnicity. We've removed socioeconomic backgrounds. We've removed all that stuff. And we've seen, hey, listen, all I see is someone who needs what I've got to bring. And so for you, I desire that you would continue that and continue to weep over your neighbors and continue to say, I see someone who needs the Jesus that I've got. And don't buy the lie that you don't got enough Jesus. Because you've got all you're going to get. You're not going to get more. You just become more aware of the fullness of the Spirit inside of you. Listen, I believe that God is about to just break this town in half. See the Spirit moving in you and around and hearing stories of what God's doing in people's lives and people's stories and people being broken and people struggling with stuff. And listen, that's the first signs of revival is when people begin to get real and begin to struggle with the things that they've never struggled with before because God's opening your eyes and changing our perspectives on what truly is what it looks like to be holy. And that is scary. Because it means that there may be some things that we have to give up. But even more importantly, what's it calling us to? If you've tasted and seen that God is good, just jump in. Becky and I used to work at a camp in East Texas, and it was a spring, we had a spring-fed pool, and you had to do a swim test to get your wristband, because everybody wanted to go to the big lake and do the, the zip line. Everything's kind of like Camp Tejas. And so we had this spring-fed pool, and I loved doing the swim test, because people would get in, and they're like, because it was cold. And so I would tell people, I was like, hey, it's cold, and they're like, yeah, 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 and they'd kind of dip their toe in, and they're like, whoa, whoa. And so I would tell people, I was like, you can dip your toe in, and know that it's cold, and then you're anxious about it? Or you can just listen to me and believe that it's true and just go ahead and jump straight in and just go all in, and it's quicker. Just get the test over with. And I'll tell you what, the kids that would kind of dip their toe in, they'd be like, mm, nah, nah. And they would stand back, and they you can go ahead, and the other kids would be like, okay. And they would jump in, and they would go, listen. If you've tasted and seen, and you've just kind of dipped and know that, hey, sometimes it's a little uncomfortable following Jesus. It's going to be uncomfortable sometimes. But don't just dip in. If he's called you, just jump and just go and just trust. That he's never failed you before. He's never led you in the wrong way before. He's just calling you. Just go and do it. One of the things that I loved about Mission Trip this year is so many of you or so many of the team were like, I, I have no idea. I've never done this before. And I was like, let's just go and see it. And just seeing God transform people's minds and eyes and perspective. On what it is. Here, here's the deal. If you don't know Jesus, maybe today's that day. If you've been in and around Jesus, if you've been in and around church and you've been inoculated by it, I pray that if you were like me and you kind of grew up around it and you haven't really just sat at the feet of the Father and just said, I need to know you, I want to be with you, then you do that. Just commit to doing that. Get into the habit of lingering with the Father. Or maybe you're at the place where you've, you've strayed and you've run away and you're at that last place. I, I, one of the prayers that I've prayed for a lot of people is I pray that you would get to that, to that deep, dark place where you're in the stench with the pigs as quickly as you can get there with as little harm as possible so you can come back. 
But to also know that it, it tells us in Corinthians that the places that we've, the mistakes that we've made in the dark, deep places we made also allows us, those are opportunities. God doesn't waste our pain and our mistakes and our bad decisions. He doesn't waste them. He allows us to use them so that we can help other people along in their face so that they don't have to walk to those places. And maybe even today you're saying, hey, listen, I'm ready. I, I've got, God's calling me to do something at work or at school or whatever, and I've been holding out. But today's that day. Today's that day. Listen, over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about what does it mean to be called to. This morning, I'm appealing to you that you've been called to Jesus. For God so loved the cosmos, the entire world, that he gave his one and only son so that you may have life, not just physical life, but a life eternal with him. And that you have an opportunity to to practice that eternal life here and to spend time with the Father. I mean, it's going to be kind of interesting. If we never spend time with the Father and then we get an eternity with Him, what are we going to do? This is an opportunity to hang out, to get to know Him, because we're going to have an eternity with Him. Let's pray together. Dearly Father, I have no idea what I said. I don't even know what to pray. Other than to say, Jesus, you are King of kings and Lord of lords. Father, thank you that you've allowed me to confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that you've been raised from the dead. And that even in my moments of doubt, of struggle and of trial and of tribulation. You don't abandon me, but you just walk with me and allow me to struggle and to to doubt and to know that on the other side that you're refining and you're perfecting. And when I'm asking questions, that you're even in the midst of those questions. And that, God, that you are not confined by my questions. You're bigger than my questions. You're bigger than my ideas. You're bigger than my struggles. bigger even in the mess of a flood. Father, our our request here is that we, as a body of believers, that we are Jesus followers, that we are students of Jesus, that we are disciples of you, and that we sit at the feet of Jesus and we study your ways, we study your words, we study your teachings. And as we call you rabbi, there would be no doubt that when people look at our lives that they would know without a shadow of a doubt that we study at the feet of Rabbi Jesus. That the way that we love people, the way that we care for people, the way that we walk an extra mile for people, the way that we do life, that there is no doubt that we are students of Rabbi Jesus, that they can see it in our actions, they can see it in the way that we care and that we love because our lives have been transformed by the simple truth that God the Father gave His very best for us because He desires to spend an eternity with His children, with His creation. And He wants to redeem us, to buy us back from the false things that we thought brought life. 
It's in your son's name that we pray.